Hey friends, welcome to the Christian Heritage Podcast. I'm James Pruch. This podcast comes from our weekly live stream where our CEO, Roy Baldwin, and I talk about the intersection of trauma, human flourishing, and the church. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our live stream here. Happy Wednesday to you, Roy. Happy Wednesday to you. To you as well, James. Roy is sporting one of our new uh, shirts. This one, one of my favorites. It's a new day in child welfare. If you don't know, you also can be a walking advertisement for Christian Heritage. You could just Google Bonfire Christian Heritage. Bonfire is the name of the merch store we use. And a, per- a portion of everything you purchase comes back to us to help us serve more kids. Uh, and so you could check that out. But thanks for joining us today. This Sunday, Roy, is the best Sunday of the year. <laughs> it's father, It's not the best Sunday of the year, but it is one of the best. It's Father's Day. Father's and so Day. We, thought, we thought we would talk about being a dad. We're both dads. We're not the best dads in the world, but we try by God's grace. And so we're really talking about how dads can be a part of contributing to kind of emotional and physical you know, well-being and safety in the home and really facilitating connection. And we'll maybe share a little bit of our own stories of, you know, how we struggle with that, how we try to do that well. But this is really Roy's wheelhouse. And so, Roy, just start by telling us, you know, and for, for those of you who don't know, I'll stop. Like, Roy used to work used to work at Focus on the Family. I did. The director of parenting and youth there. And so wrote tons of content. Uh, and I know Roy would be the first one to say, oh, that doesn't make me expert at being a dad. But he does know some stuff. I'll toot his horn for him. Uh, but just just start. Just tell us about your passion for dads. Um, I mean, parents in general, but but specifically this week with dads and fathers, and um, and why this is such a huge topic in in your life. Yeah. No. Absolutely. You know. I think. You know. I think that's why maybe God has me a Christian heritage. You know, for this season, and I hope it's a long season. Um, but you know, really, you know, our my backstory has been working with at risk youth in vulnerable families for a very long time. Um, and so, but I think some of the most significant um, experiences I have had have been as, you know, working at a, at a residential treatment facility for adjudicated youth in New York City, kids in the foster care system. So I've worked in some of the worst projects uh, in New York City, working with families, working with children. Um, and then my wife and I being a house parent for almost 10 years at a residential school, I could I could probably count on one hand the amount of dads involved uh, in the kids that I we directly worked with. And I would say we had over 70 plus girls go through our home in our nine years there. Um, And not every single dad who was involved was a healthy, you know, what I would say is a healthier, flourishing dad. And so really having those experiences, you know, especially, you know, you know, I would and I'll, I'll use raising the girls loosely. But being a house parent with them, you know, over the period of time that I did, it was an honor and privilege to be that role, that male role model. But a lot of them did not have positive male role models in their life. And so to to kind of wear that father figure hat drastically and radically shaped me, especially as my own children and how I've raised them. You know, I have three, 24, 19 and 16. Um, But then going to focus. a lot of clarity then really started focusing on, you know, fatherhood and and it, it, the critical role that fathers play 
and our families and our culture and our communities um, and our churches and um, our in the policies and statutes that we write within our government, how important men are and fail and fathers are in that role. And so it became a true passion of mine to really understand the problems, the dilemmas, and how we needed to help equip dads to be to flourish, if I if I can use that from you know what we're looking at as Christian heritage. So, you know, for me then to be a part of you know, what we do here, both on the foster care side of things, as well as, you know, we work with dads in prisons and, you know, doing daddy-daughter dances and creating those kinds of connections. And then, you know, the preventative work that we do, fathers are absolutely critical to the health of the family. And so I know a lot of research. Um, I know about how to implement strategies, but that's kind of the root of why this is such a very huge passion point for me. Yeah, that's great. And and for those of you listening, you might be familiar with things like the fatherhood initiative. Like this is this idea that fathers are important is not just a Christian thing. Like this is a, you know, people realize most of the people we serve in, in our line of work and in, in um, you know, child welfare, uh, we serve moms because dads aren't involved. And so, right. Uh, but, so, but even, but even inside, inside the church, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you look at the data. So, I'll, you know, I'll pull some data from about 10 years ago. But, but the, gover- the federal government spends close to $100 billion. This is 10 years ago on programs such as mm-hmm. child support enforcement, anti-poverty efforts needed to support father absent homes. Um, this is not including mm-hmm. the substantial spending on social problems fatherlessness creates, such as criminal activity, increase in teen childbearing, school dropouts you know, et cetera. So, you know, but when we talk about fatherlessness, we think about the physical absence of a father in the home. But I, but I, I think when you look at today's data and we look at where culture's at today, we don't have just a fatherless, physically absent father from the home. I think there's great evidence of, you know, when you look again, we've talked about this before, three out of 10 youth flourishing, you know, today in the U.S., I would say that, you know, maybe a dad is present, but is he really emotionally, relationally present in his home? And the, and those that those presence issues then cultivate in really for us as believers, as Christian believers, I believe is one of the missing pieces when it comes to faith transmission in our teens and youth today. Because dads play, if not an important role, the most important role when it comes to faith transmission. And there's a ton of research that you know, validates that. So that's why this conversation is not just important to we think about foster care or fatherlessness and like, well, I don't need to worry about that. We 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 all need to worry about about that, especially when you see the younger generations coming after us where they are less and less in, inclined to go to church, less and less inclined to make, you know, faith is an important part of their lifestyle. And we talk about, well, the youth are leaving. I would make an argument is because their fathers and their parents have already left the faith. Sure. They're not modeling it. And again, there's a ton of research that validates that. So I think to your point, we're spending $100 billion annually to solve a problem that really could be nixed at or reduced significantly by by just fathers, you know, providing the, you know, their God given role and design in the family and their parent child relationship that they have. Yeah. And what do you think of this, Roy? I mean, how much of an impact? Is there, be, uh, how much of an impact does generational, um, the, the way that 
future or past generations have have acted as dads, right? So if if say you have a the silent generation, I, I can't remember those years, but you, mm -hmm. you have a dad right. that's just worked hard, wasn't emotionally invested, and then you come to the next generation, the, the greatest generation, and then you have, you know, what would be after that generation, uh, the boomers, right? And you yeah. go on. So like Gen how X much of an impact do you have? Yeah, where where you know you get to now my generation, I'm like, okay, I'm a little further along in terms of my emotional presence, I'm still right. not where I want to be. And we, right. maybe I'll share a little bit more about that, but how much of an impact do you think that is, has, has on dads today where they're like, okay, my dad was less involved, but I'm more than him. But it's like, we still have a long way to go. I think in terms of our own culture of dads right. being emotionally connecting, spiritually connecting. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so probably about 10 years ago now, uh, there was a great study that came out of USC uh, the families and faith, uh, families and faith findings uh, was done by Vern Bengston. They did a longitudinal study, 35 years. Um, they interviewed every generation that you just talked about. Um, 3,500 individuals. They interviewed uh, mm. 350 families, and they kind of looked at this long view of like how is faith. And they looked at Judaism, uh, Mormonism, Catholicism, Protestantism. So they were kind of looking at these blind. major, major world reviews you know, religions and looking at, you know, how did each generation, uh, you know, kind of look at that? And, and they, they found a couple of things that, you know, what, what are the top threats to at least faith or religious transmission? Uh, number one was marriage outside the faith. So, it, you know, in our Christian terms, we talk, you know, talk about being unequally yoked. Um, so that was one of the biggest threats. Um, the second threat was parental relig religiosity. So mm. either doing too little or pushing too hard. Sure. Um, number three was parental hypocrisy. Um, and, and this validates, you'll see a lot of other correlative research, you know, Lifeway had research coming out quite a few years ago about, you know, youth walking away from the faith. And I've seen other studies that looked at, you know, youth walking away from the faith after high school. And one of the number one reasons that youth were doing that is because of hypocrisy, right? It's mm, the idea sure. that yep. my parents live one way on Sundays, but you know, Monday through Saturday, it's a very kind of different, kind of a different yep. lifestyle. Um, and then other role models. So aunts, grandparents who then would kind of discourage that kind of religious transmission. So those were the threats on that and how that is passed down generational, generationally. Uh, but they also then found the positives, right? So what led to higher levels of, you know, faith being passed? Um, and I'll just talk about a couple of them. Um, that fervent faith cannot compensate for a distant dad. So my faith has to, at some level, create a relational and emotional connection with my children, what I believe. And I would say this is true for, you know, moms and dads as well, but just yep. how does our faith translate late into emotional and warmth, you know, relational and emotional warmth? Um, uh, families do matter in determining the religious outcomes of young adults and they matter a lot. So the practices yeah. of what we do, we do, you know, parents are still the number one influencer in their kids' lives. Yep. Um, the one that I, I think, you know, we've talked about just talking a little bit about today is really the linchpin in faith transmission is the parental, parental warmth is the key to successful religious transmission. So it's not necessarily what I believe, but it's how I live out those beliefs in a way that creates felt safety connection, you know, in my home. And and when you when they when they asked they did these findings, you know, not to create you know some kind of you know gender yeah. war, 
Yeah. Uh, but the reality is, as they said, so who had the greater influence, mom or dad? And obviously both of them are like one, one and one A, right? So both of them play very critical sure. roles in that. But when dad becomes, when dad becomes active in his, in his faith, it, it is a wildfire kind of tsunami that really mm-hmm. engulfs his entire home about their practices, what that looks like, the connection that they make is dad is by far the one of the major, inf, you know, major influencers when it comes to faith. And For their kids. So kind of bringing this down to our experience, practical terms, what was it for you? And I'll share after for me, but you know, what were some of those things for you with your dad that you look back on and you remember like, Hey, this is, this is why I take Jesus seriously today. Like what role did your dad play in that? Well, my dad played a a, a vital role in that. Um, You know, so my, you know, I would say in some level, our family, my dad was kind of the first generation Christian. Hmm. Um, spent time in the Navy. Uh, I, you know, we were just sharing about this the other day. He, he, when he accepted Christ, you know, he gave alcohol up and, uh, he was pouring it down the sink, uh, in our kitchen. And I'm like, dad, why, like, why don't you just give it away to somebody? Like just not having any context. And, you know, my dad never touched it again, but there were definitely a lot of things that would manifest itself in terms of being a first generation Christian in my home. And, you know, so, you know, we, we, you know, my dad, I love my dad. He was the best man in my wedding, but he and I've had to work through mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. Um, some of our own woundedness that have come out of the parent-child relationship, out of the father-son relationship. Uh, but we had some great memories of fishing or, you know, going to a ball game. I, dad, my dad was all, was my baseball coach at times. Like he did a lot of those things, but, and then he was ultimately my youth leader too. Right. So I, yeah. so I kind of had the double whammy of, I had him at home. I had him at church and actually I had him at school too, both of my parents. So I kind of had my parents 24 um, seven and they, but they were a major influence on my faith and what that looks like. But that by don't hear that was done perfectly. Yep. There was a lot of stuff that we've had to work through together as a family. That's good. I mean, for me, it was, you know, I, and I mentioned this to Roy before we did this episode, but you know, my mom definitely, you know, was the one that I thought, okay, she, she seemed like the spiritual giant had the most, you know, seems like so much of the Bible memorized. And, uh, but what I saw in my dad was still this, this effort to be involved. Uh, He, you know, I think there's probably some level when he was younger, I don't think today, but maybe he was intimidated by my mom. My mom's a really strong personality. And if mom, you're listening to this, I love you. You you know that I love you and you have a strong personality. (laughs) But what I saw was my dad still engaged and he still took Jesus seriously. One of the things that's always stood with me is at work, I would hear my dad, people at work knew that my dad prayed. They didn't even know, they didn't really care who he prayed to, but then they would come to him with problems. And say, hey, can you help? And so he would tell me about these stories. And what I saw was my dad wasn't ashamed of his faith at work in a secular Mm -hmm. environment. And so I knew he took Jesus seriously. And that's meant the world to me. And that's something that as I think about, okay, as I'm out now in the world and I'm a dad, I want people to know, hey, I, I trust in Jesus. I pray. If you have problems, you can come to me. I'm a safe person. And so that's always stuck with me when I think about faith transmission right you know, as far as my dad goes but it, but that's true for like and again you know we we you know we think about faith transmission but when we talk about faith transmission typically we just think well i need to show my kids how to pray and i need to teach my mm-hmm. kids about the importance of church but that, but that's those practices are important 
But if I'm not in a emotionally, like if I'm not in a healthy place, so if my anger, like if I can, listen, I can have a moment of anger and it can completely undo the time that we had in God's word and the time of going to church. That's where that yeah. hypocrisy thing is really an important thing. It's not necessarily the hypocrisy of, you know, what's being taught. It's the hypocrisy yes. of how I then live out and express love and yep. connection. And, and again, I think it's the one thing we hardly ever talk about in church um, or in, or in other things, because I think there's a lot of shame. I think there's a lot of woundedness. I think a lot of us have daddy issues and daddy wounds, right? I think we, a lot of us have mummy issues and mummy wounds. I think yep. you know, that's part of growing up. And I think God's by God's grace and his love and his forgiveness and how he's so redemptive, like that we don't need to live out of our woundedness, but those things do inform then what we believe about God and what we believe for sure, believe about others. I love, um, I, I share this quote with dads oftentimes and it's by um, Robert Ingersoll. And I'll see if I can, you know, find it real quick. Um, I have too many sheets of paper here, James, right in front of me. Uh, Was this the quote you sent yesterday? Yeah. No, this is different. It says it is difficult. It is difficult for a child to find a father in God unless the child first finds something of God in his father. It's true. And so that idea of like, so what is it that I, what, you know, what's that relationship look like? And we saw that perfectly in Jesus, right? I think we talk often about Jesus, but when you see his prayer in John, when he's talking about like, I would, I hope they know, you know, you through the way I've lived my life. And then you think about then how Jesus discipled, you know, rarely it was with a whip in the temple. It, it was oftentimes of love oh, yeah. and passion and empathy is just how he nurtured you know, his disciples and care yep. for those who were lost, you know, again, that's where faith is ignited and, yeah. and talking about, but we don't, but we don't, we don't tie those two areas together when it comes to the role that, you know, the roles that fathers kind of fathers play in their families' lives and kids' lives. Yeah. Let's talk about that. We got, we probably have five, six, seven minutes. This has gone so fast. Well, but maybe we'll do like five or six sessions on this one. We Jay. could do, you know we could I mean? do a whole <laughs> lot of episodes on this. Let's double click on that. It's something my wife and I have talked about a lot where, you know, traditionally men are supposed to be this rugged, tough, you know, emotionless person yeah. who's very logical. And so really we have gender stereotyped men to be a certain way. But then like right. you just point out, Roy, when you look at Jesus, the true human, and of course a male he was very compassionate and patient. And of course, he dealt with the religious leaders in a certain way, and that's a unique thing. But he was so tender and so uh, loving, and he touched people that you weren't supposed to touch, and he talked to people, and he wasn't accusatory or judgmental. And and I think that, you know, I grew up thinking, well, I got to like to hunt and you know, I have to be strong. I'm like, I don't like hunting. No offense to hunters. It's just not, right. it's not right. for me. I, I'm right. not in the cars. I'm, that's just not, you know, I, I, I like sports. Sure. But like, I'm not into all the traditional, you know, quote unquote, masculine things. And, and so I think there's a sense for fathers where, you know, a little bit of vulnerability here, like I'm learning and I, you know, okay, sometimes my, my, child just needs to be held rather than corrected. It's like, I got to work on that because yeah. I kind of had one way to think as a dad and I'm unlearning that. I'm like, they, they need connection right now. So I just need to be here and sit 
and endure their tears and welcome their tears. So how have you kind of, I mean, you've been a dad for a lot longer than I have. So how have you kind of wrestled with that, worked your way through it, learned to overcome the stereotypes and be a dad that's like, I'm going to emotionally connect in a moment when maybe the, you know, quote unquote culture or even Christian culture tells me I should, I shouldn't. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I, I think for me is, again, my experience have been very informative. You know, when I started working with a lot of families, right? So I think a lot of the families that we work with here at Christian Heritage, you know, when I started interacting with them, you know, I came in it very black and white. Um, mm -hmm. Like, how could you allow like certain things to happen in your kids' lives? But when I started interacting with them and really begin to see this cycle of you know, generational poverty, the, you know, the lack of support, the lack of connection. And I realized that a lot of these parents love their children and there are circumstances that came up against, came up against them. I quickly realized that, you know, my family, my, my marriage, my kids were just, I was just as vulnerable as they were to having them spiral out of control because of the way I lived my life. Mm. And, I, and I'm by far a perfect human being. Um, but I think those experiences really have helped shape me to a level of my own self-reflection. Um, you know, what are those behaviors in me that could bring harm to my family, to my to my things? And you can ask my kids. I am far from that. You know, my anger at times is is something I like. I vowed growing up I would never have. You know, because of just you know what I you know the experiences that I have had. Sure. Um, I'd vow I'd never be that way. But as we know things about trauma and we think of adverse childhood experiences, like that's why it began to manifest itself in my life when I started having my own kids. I'm like, well, who's this guy? Yep. Where did he come from? You know, I thought that wasn't a part of who I was. And so those are the things that I've had to really work on and, and overcome about, you know, what is it, what cycles do I want to break in my own family of origin? Mm -hmm stories and how do I get my kids a little bit closer to the redemptive and under, you know, the redemptive path that I think God has on us generationally. And I think that's been a big part of our own stories. And I think, you know, people listening to this, I think that's part of really understanding that when we are raising kids and we're fathering James, we're not fathering just our kids. We're fathering our grandkids. We're fathering our great grandkids because our kids are going to either take and accept the ways that we have done that good and bad, or they're going to reject that. And so this idea of family and fathering is, is a generational story. It's a relay race. It's this baton we're constantly passing on. And, you know, the lighter I can make that baggage, the more healthier mm. I can make that, the more, the greater chance of success I'll be setting up those future generations. Yes. So having that long view of mine, of understanding my role is vitally important because, you know, again, for me, coming alongside families where, I mean, I've been there trying to help pick up the pieces and yep. it's messy and it's damaging and it's hurtful, but I, God can redeem that. But man, dads, fathers play such an incredibly important role generationally to the healthiness and the flourishing of their family. That's great. And, and now we can, we'll kind of wrap up with this, but just an encouragement to those listening, watching, yeah. maybe you're not a dad. But I mean, I'd be remiss to not mention this, especially because of the organization we work work for. But you know, there are there are young men and women, young boys and girls who need a male mentor in their life. They do. And so whether you work with us or you work with, you know, a group like teammates or boys and girls club or whatever it is, like before I was an a, an act, you know, like a a biological father, before I had my own children, I 
with probably three or four other guys, I mentored a couple of kids who were in foster care. I coached their baseball team and we were all, you know, many fathers to them. I didn't get 24 seven with them, but we made an impact for the season that we were in their life. And it meant something to them. They right. were actually being fostered by a single woman. And she reached out to several of us. She just said, Hey, I need, they need some father like figures in their life. That. And it made, it made a difference. And so if that's you, you're like, well, I'm, I don't have kids or maybe I might not ever have kids. You can still be a father like, and, and same for you women out there. You, you can be a mother like figure. Um, but you, you can be that in the life of a child. It's, you know, reach out to us, reach out to somebody because we, somebody will connect you with, with children who, who need that. Yeah, that's great. And my, again, my encouragement to you is, is, you know, you know, the, the fathering thing is a, is a hard thing because I think there's a lot of woundedness out there and there yeah. is. Um, but I, but I, I don't think, I don't think we should let those wounds define us. I, th I know a lot of men that I interact with live in shame because like, I didn't get it. Yep. I, there's a lot of pain associated with that. I'm like, man, God, but God, God is still on the throne and he's a God of redemption and of good, of good things. And so I think just leaning into father's day in a way that is redemptive. Uh, yep. I think it should be filled with hope. I think it is honoring dads as much as well as we can. Um, but I think we got to continue to have the right conversations about the important role fathers play in the health of their family. Uh, they're not the second adult in the home. They're just, they're not, um, you know, they play God has designed the male and female part of that to really help embolden and help families flourish. And I, I we, we can't treasure or elevate one over the other. That's yep. not how God, that's not yep. how God has created it. And, yep. and so we need to get our order in place around that. So yep. I think just celebrate that your dad as well as you can on father's day. Mm. And, um, yeah. And like you said, man, there's opportunities here at, Cre at Christian heritage to be a father figure or all around Lincoln, to be a father figure in the life of another, of, a, of another human being. It is vitally important. Good word to end on. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thank you. As always, we say, if you're listening on a podcast platform, like share, comment, rate, share, share, share. It helps us get this word out to everybody else. We do appreciate you watching, watching and listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, James. Thanks, Roy. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, and share so more people can find us. If you have a question or a topic you want us to cover, you can reach out to us through our website at chne.org.